Hello, church family. Uh, we are now in Esther chapter 4. Uh, this is where really the, uh, the conflict really is, uh, comes into play. Before I start, I'd like to just illustrate, uh, share like an introductory little story here. You know, uh, Morse code uh, for the longest time wasn't actually the Morse code the way they would think. In fact, there was a predecessor to Morse code called the CQD. And what CQD means, uh, come quickly, that's a CQ, and D is the stress. And usually the D can be changed to different things depending on the context. Um, some of them, like people that were, uh, let's say, in submarines, they'll say, uh, they can say like CQ and then like, uh, uh, C, I mean like, uh, come quickly conflict and somehow people are supposed to realize like okay this means that uh, when you uh, there's conflict within the in the submarine or whatever and usually it's through morse code uh but they changed it because it was too complicated um for example morse code the original the one that we're familiar with the the, the most the most useful one is sos which is dot 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 slash dash 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 dot 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 uh but in the old way the cqd the SOS is dash dot dash dot dash dash dot dash dot dot. And you can see how it's confusing because if you were, let's say, listening to the old way, you have you all you would just hear are just these dots and dashes. Uh, whereas Morse code, it became more it was easier uh, for people to use. Um, but uh, people still uh, still decide to use the CQD, even though uh, the, the more simplified version of this was used. Uh, an example, this was in 1912. Uh, so, so 1912, this was six years after the, 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 the what we think of Morse code already existed. Uh, the Titanic sank, and then they were using these two. Uh, they, they first used the CQD, and then they were trying to send a distress signal after they hit the iceberg. And uh, it wasn't until the junior uh, Morse coder, he jokingly suggested to use Morse code because, and this is really ominous, he said, it's this is probably the last time they'll ever use it, um, which is, of course, uh, you know, it uh, was indeed the last time. Little did he know, it was actually the last time that uh, they would use it because then Titanic would sink. Uh, so it, it was because of that Morse code, someone, another ship nearby caught it and was able to send help uh, to get the people out of the water. So if you think about that movie, Titanic, and then about how that lady was saved, uh, it's because of this one junior Morse code person that sent this, that just made this reference to send this one relatively new method of Morse code uh, just out into the open and hoping that someone would get it. And it just so happened that someone did, and that's why these people were saved. I've used this, I've bring that the story up because it's this idea of how what seemingly random events is what sometimes God will use to save people, um, what's seemingly random to our eyes or seemingly uh, strange to us and is, uh, is actually um, God in control over all things. And this is where we start seeing that in Esther chapter 4. We start seeing how we start seeing God's uh, plan in saving the people, even though the people have no idea uh, how it's going to play out. So that's what we're going to look at in chapter 4. We're going to, again, we're just walk through this text and we'll to draw the application and the, the, and the future uh, parts. So chapter 4, verse 1. When Mordecai learned all that he had done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ash, and went out into the midst of the city and wailed la- loudly and bitterly. So if you remember chapter 3, uh, Haman um, was so upset 
uh, Mordecai for not uh, paying homage to him, that he decided to go and uh, kill not just Mordecai, but all the Jews. And I'm imagining Mordecai walking around the city and then he sees this, uh, this thing that's posted on the wall saying, all the Jews will be exterminated one year from now. He reads this and he freaks out and cries and wails publicly. Uh, he does this openly. He's not doing it at home. He's doing, you know, he's like putting on sackcloth and ashes. Verse two, he went as far as the king's gate for no one was able to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. So this is like one of the law in the land again where, um, he wants, he, he wants to see the king, but he realizes he can't because there's, he's wearing the, all the sackcloth and there's a law in the land that said that you're not allowed to see the king if you're wearing that. So again, it's what I said earlier throughout this entire Esther series that there's these rules that are in play and everyone's trying to find loopholes around it. And then you'll see how the he, how the loophole comes into play. Uh, verse three, in each and every province where the, com- where the command and decree of the king came, there was a great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing, and many lay on sackcloth and ashes. Now, it's interesting that even though they all heard this and everyone was crying, and all these, and they did all these things, they did fasting, so they stopped eating, they're weeping and wailing, you'll notice that the one thing that they didn't do, that they should have done, was prayer. They did not pray to the Lord. They were weeping, they were crying, they did, and they were fasting, but they did not pray to the Lord. And I sometimes wonder if that's us as well. When we think about our lives, when we go through different trials, do we uh, get emotional? Do we like stop eating? Do we like, lose sleep? But do we ever actually go to the Lord first with our problems? But you can even see, even though the Jews here were not going to the Lord, the Lord is still sovereign and good because he knows that he will protect his people no matter what. Verse 4, then Esther's maidens and her eunuchs came and told her, and the queen wreathed in great anguish, and she sent garments to clothe Mordecai that he might remove his sackcloth from him, but he did not accept. So I'm picturing like the queen hearing this, like, oh, hey, your uncle is wearing sackcloth um, and just crying outside, what should we do? And uh, the queen has no idea at this point what's happening, so she doesn't even know that this, we'll see later on that she finds out why he's he's weeping, so he decided to send her, send him she decided to send him the, like this new set of clothes, and he did not accept it. Verse 5, Then Esther summoned Hathcath from the king's eunuchs, whom, he, whom the king had appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was and why it was. So Hathcath went out to Mordecai to the city square in front of the king's gate. Remember that Mordecai can't go in, so I'm just imagining maybe like Queen Esther can look out the window and see him, over the gate, and you see this man crying out there, and he's like, okay, why can't he, but why is he, why is he doing this? <clears throat> Verse 7, Mordecai told him all that had happened to him, and the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasures for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict, which had been issued in Susa for all their destruction, that he might show Esther and inform her, and to order her to go into the king to implore his favor and to plead him for her people. Uh, so he's just hoping that the queen will do something about it. Again, this is the nepotism kind of play. Like, hey, I know someone in the royal palace. Maybe this, maybe the queen can help me. Um, and then this half calf, he's like basically the like. They're basically playing telephone. So he runs back. Uh, verse nine. Half came back and related more words to Esther. And Esther spoke to Hathcat and ordered him to reply to Mordecai 
All the king's servants and people of the king's province know that for any man or woman who comes to the king to the inner court who is not summoned, he has but one law, that he be put to death, unless the king holds out to him the golden scepter so that he may live. And I have not been summoned to come to the king for these 30 days. So for at least the last 30 days, Esther wasn't able to visit the, the king, which is strange because you know, you think that the queen will have access to uh, the king, but in the Persian culture, uh, you know, they, they, they fear that, you know, the women can uh, manipulate the king or even assassinate the king, so they try to figure out ways in which to protect the king, and this is the way that they go about it, that the king has to hold out his scepter, um, and she hasn't been called for 30 days, so, you know, this is weird, that was weird, a marital relationship where, like, you can't, I haven't seen my husband for 30 days, I haven't been called to uh, see him, uh, they probably need to go to some marriage counseling. Verse 12, they related Esther's words to Mordecai. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, again, playing telephone here, do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent in this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. It was so interesting because um, Mordecai here is actually exposing Esther as a Jew. And for some reason, again, much like Haman, uh, no one realizes that connection. That like, if we even, if we're going to go about this, we're actually going to kill the queen as well. These eunuchs uh, didn't make that connection. Haman didn't make that connection. Um, but Mordecai is just saying this out loud. Like, hey, if they're going to go after us, they're going to find you and kill you too. Uh, but what's... Uh, even more interesting than that is that in verse 14, um, Mordecai is this is the only time, this is the closest uh, anyone, every, any character will get theological here. Because he said this, he said that, um, for if you remain silent at this time, uh, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. So Mordecai has some sort of understanding that God will protect his people. He doesn't know how, he doesn't know where, he doesn't even acknowledge God, he just knows that uh, he, his peop, the Jews will be saved. But he said that since Esther's there, maybe this is why she was there. Uh, as he says, and who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time. So that's, this is actually my favorite verse in this book, because it sounds so cool. Like She was there for such a time as this. Um, so he tells her, like, hey, uh, they're going to go after you too, but if you, maybe you can use your position to save us all, and including yourself. Verse 15, then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa and fast for me. Uh, do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. Uh, I, I am with, I and my maidens also will fast in the same way, and thus I will go in to the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Esther just saying, okay, we'll just try it. We'll just try it. It's fast for me, and then in three days, I'm just going to walk in there and see what happens. And if I die, then I die. Um, so it was like a you know, last-ditch effort, in, at least that's what they thought at the time, uh, to try to save all the Jews. And it's funny because at the end, this is, uh, um, you know, Mordecai actually finally submits to the queen. So Mordecai went that way and did just as Esther had commanded him. So we're going to look at this. This is kind of what's going on in the story where, like, basically Mordecai needs help and Esther doesn't know if she can help him. Uh, but we will see uh, in the coming days how 
uh, just the perspective of man and God. Um, uh, what are the things that man uh, are doing and what are the things that God is doing? And I think once we understand these type of parallels and these uh, contrasts, we'll have a better trust in the Lord in light of our circumstances. Uh, so I look forward to going through this study with you, and uh, I'll, um, I guess you guys will hear from me soon. Okay, hope this is helpful. Take care.